and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I grew up in the Zion community of Winfield, Alabama. The Zion community was identified as that community surrounding Zion Missionary Baptist Church of Winfield, Alabama. The community was known by the name of the church. That is an indication of the respect in our past for the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I spent, Brenda and I have spent significant time in Australia, and I found a very different attitude toward churches, pastors, and Christians in Australia. And I learned from that experience and having been, having it explained to me that Australia is a post-Christian nation. In our nation today, Churches are looked down upon, made fun of. Pastors are considered pariahs. And Christians are non-entities not to be respected. And the United States of America is becoming a post-Christian nation. But the truth is, if you look back over the history of this nation and Western civilization as a whole. No entity, no organization has ever affected the history of the world as has the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is a life-changing institution, and the church is important. If you want your life changed, uh, Aaron repeated a part of my sermon from last week in his devotion this morning. Build your life on the Word of God. You want your life changed? Changed for God and changed for good? Build your life on doing what the Bible says. But at the same time, the other thing that is life-changing is to love the church like Jesus. Now, I, I realized, Karen, when I chose that title, that that could be a little ambiguous. That is, what does that really mean? Casey, does that mean love the church like Jesus does? Or love the church like you love Jesus? The answer is? Yes. yes. <laughs> These guys know me. The answer is yes. Love the church the way Jesus loves the church. And I want you to understand that Jesus loves the church. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, why did Jesus 
shed his blood because he loves the church. He loves the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, this is Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives how? What's the example? The example of Jesus. As, like or as, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, Paul, I have to be very careful right there because I could chase a rabbit very quickly. Uh, he's from California. didn't know what it means to chase a rabbit. I could be distracted and follow another line of thought there and get off on husbands and preach a sermon now that I'm supposed to preach later. But the point is, Jesus loves His church and He sacrificed Himself. He gave up the streets of heaven for a while. He gave up what he would like to do. Well, that's not true because he came voluntarily. Tony, he loves his church. I, do you know Jesus loves faith in LR? Because he loves his church and gave himself up for her. And he purchased the church with his own blood. Now in Africa, we we encountered sort of a strange practice. Uh, it's strange for us as Americans. They practice bride price. You, um, a man has to pay for his wife. Now, we say that we don't do that, but I've been telling my mother-in-law for years that, why do you do all this good for me? Why do you help me the way you do? Well, I'm still paying for my wife. I've been paying for her, Don, for 52 years. And it, it's not over. There you go. We, we say that men in America don't have to pay for their wives, but we do. You know, Jesus paid bride price. Ellen, those people in Kenya thought I would come as an American and teach them that teach the men they didn't have to pay bride price. And I said, oh no, that's biblical. Jesus paid bride price. He paid for His church, His bride, with His own blood. He purchased His church with His own blood because Jesus loves the church. He intercedes for the church. Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere heart, hearts, fully trusting Him. That is from the passage that we read. But notice it also says in, in chapter 7, because that's chapter 7, verse 24, uh, because Jesus lives forever, His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, He is able once and forever to save those who come to God through Him. He lives forever for what? To intercede with God on their behalf. You and I have a high priest who loves His church and gave Himself for this church and all His churches, and He intercedes on our behalf daily before the Father in heaven. Jesus loves the church. That means you should too. Jesus loves the church, and if He loves the church, you and I should love our church. 
That's why I started this thing at the beginning of the year. I love my church because my church loves Jesus. I love my church. We were talking in my Sunday school class this morning about when there's dissension in the church. That's Acts chapter 6. That when there's dissension in the church, the church stops growing. That's what happened in Acts chapter 6. But when the people check their preferences at the front door and love God and love each other, the Spirit of God can move and the church grows. Do you love the church? Do you love the church? We need to love our church. Jesus loves this church, and we ought to love our church too. Not only that, the church loves Jesus. Pretty simple outline, right? Jesus loves the church, and the church loves Jesus. In John 4, John the Beloved, the one who writes about the love of God, said, we love because He first loved us. How do you know how to love? Just follow the example of Jesus. Where does the gift of love come come from? It comes from God, the agape love of Jesus Christ. The church loves Jesus. He says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Draw near. Draw near. You know, somewhere in my notes, I didn't put it in the presentation, but somewhere in the notes, I wrote, just show up. Just show up. And come thirsty. Come seeking the presence of God. Come needing God. Come expecting to hear from God. Draw near. Draw near. We have a problem in our nation of those who do not recognize the power of the presence of God in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you every time you come and you gather here to recognize that Jesus is in the room. Amen? Amen. Jesus has promised to be here when we meet together and we should never come into this place without acknowledging that Jesus is in the room. Well, Pastor Lynn, I came to hear your great preaching. Yeah, right. You know what you need to come for? Susan's back there nodding her head. You ought to come to meet with Jesus. Amen? You ought to come in order to to know He's here, to acknowledge His presence, and Paul, to meet with Him and to hear from Him and know what He wants for your life. Draw near! Draw near! Don't stand back. Don't drop out. Draw near. Jesus is in the room. He talks about coming with a full heart. Uh, One translation says a true heart. Another translation says, with a sincere heart. All of that, Pam, means to me worship. I love hearing Pam lead us in worship. She has a unique gift with with her voice. But it's not, she does not do that. Aaron does not do that to draw attention to themselves. But they take us before the throne of God and we bow down or we raise our hands in worship to the God of heaven. Draw near. 
Because you and I need worship. Worship is more important than we recognize. The world does not understand when we come together and we acknowledge the presence of God that we sing, we pray, we preach to Him. Listen, you need the preaching of the Word of God. I talked last week about the power of the Word of God and doing what the Word says If you only get what you get on Sunday morning, and that's all the Word you get all week, you're starving to death and don't know it. I said that to you last week, but let me tell you something else. If you don't come and hear the preaching of the Word of God, you're also going to starve. You're going to be weak. You're not going to grow. You need to be here to see others who are nodding their head. Shelly's nodding her head. You need, you know, that's why I like this, this room. Because you can see each other. And there are powers in the embers coming together. Todd reminded me this week of a story, and he, he just got it started, and I gave him the whole story and where it came from. Uh, it's the story, Joe, of the pastor. There was one of the older men in the church. Why did I call Joe's name when I was going to say that. Anyway, is one of the older men in the church, and he had quit coming for a while. And so the pastor went to see him. Charlotte, when the pastor got there, he knew the man well enough. He knocked on the door and then opened the door and went in, and the old man was sitting in front of the fireplace. And the pastor didn't say anything at all, Alicia. He just sat down in the chair next to the old man, staring at the fire. After a few minutes, Casey, he took the tongs beside the fireplace and reached into the fire with the tongs and picked up an ember and set it on the hearth and just sat there and watched the ember grow cold and black. He reached with the tongue again and tossed it back into the fire and it began to glow. And he got up and started the door. He never said a word. But as he started for the door, the man said, I'll be there Sunday, Pastor. I'll be there Sunday. You need the preaching of the Word of God. Draw near. You need the prayer. There is power in corporate prayer. John prayed for us a while ago. We listen when somebody's praying. And and I don't know about you, but I sort of do the you know, how, how do you agree? You're afraid to say amen. Our people are not very good about saying amen anyway. We need to have a class. How, how to encourage the preacher by saying amen or clapping or something. But when somebody's praying, you're afraid to say amen because somebody will think it's the end of the prayer and wake up and start singing. Um, I do the African thing. If you stand by me, my, my staff know this because I've warned them. In Africa, when you agree with something, you say, eh. So when somebody's praying, I'm over there sort of silently saying, eh, eh, eh. But do you agree when you're listening to somebody pray, Don, you say, yeah, that's right. That's what I was thinking. That's what I'd like to say. And there is power when a group of Christians get together in a room like this and we pray together. And you need that 
draw near, draw near. You need to praise God. First passage my mom taught me to memorize was the 23rd Psalm. Then she taught me the 66 books of the Bible. I could say all 66 books of the Bible, and I got a certificate for saying the 66 books of the Bible, and I still can. The next verse that she had me memorize was, the, was Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Come into His gates with singing, and into His courts with praise. You're in the courts of the Lord today. We need to praise Him. We do not perform. We worship. We praise to an audience of one. And you need to praise God. It's important to the fire of your life. Draw near. Draw near. Don't be alone. Don't drop out. Draw near. Because the church loves Jesus. And then, number three, church members love one another. Jesus loves the church. The church loves Jesus. And church members love one another. We have this command from Him. Again, this is John, the the beloved apostle, the one who wrote more about love and life, everlasting life and faith. Believe that you may believe. We have this commandment from Him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. Must also love the brethren. We say that means the brothers and the sisters. Listen, if you love God, if you really love God, you will love His church. And if you love God, you say you love God. John also said this in 1 John. If you say you love God, but you hate the brothers, you don't really love God. The love of God's not in you. And that's true no matter who you are. If you love God, you'll love the church. And the church is not a building. Please understand, when I say, if you love God, you'll love the church, I'm not talking about the church building. We don't depend on the church building to be a church. Heaven forbid that it would happen, but if a tornado took this building away, Samantha, we'd be looking for a place to meet the very next Sunday. Might have to be in the parking lot under umbrellas, but we would meet because the church is not the building, the church is the people. When I say Jesus loves His church, I'm talking about you. All the members in corporate entity, if you will, as a group, Jesus loves His church. And if you love Jesus, you'll love the church. And if you love Jesus, you will love one another. This is the way, he said, this is the way people will know you're my disciples, that you love one another. Let us consider. And I like the fact, consider one another. Let us consider one another. I, I said to somebody the other day, uh, it, was, it was on the trip, so Karen, I don't remember who it was, Cordell, I don't remember who I said this to, but I said, I used to worry about what, what people thought about me. 
until I realized that no one ever thought about me at all. One of the characteristics of the church is that we love one another and can we think about each other? Gene said, I, I don't know, I think Don spread the word about my little adventure yesterday. And Gene said, I can't believe you. Uh, somebody else said, that was dumb. Yeah, that was dumb. And I'm, I'm going to have the scars from it. But I appreciate those who said something about it. Because you're thinking about your pastor. And I'm thinking about you. And we think about each other. We enter each other's mind. That's one of the benefits of the church. Do you know that the church was the very first accountability self-help group and should be today? Somebody said I, that, was, that had fallen into sin. And somebody said, why don't you go to the church? And they said, well, why would I do that? They would just make me feel worse about myself. If that's true, that church needs help. That church needs help. This is the best place for recovery because it's the place of regeneration and rebirth. The church is the best recovery group. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love. You ought, when you come here, be encouraged to love one another. How many times today have I said, Jesus loves the church and you ought to love the church? How many times have I said, you ought to love one another? This place ought to be a place of love where you are encouraged and where you learn to love and do good works. When you think about church, you think about a gathering. Think about a gathering. Because the word church means an assembly, a called out body, a called out group. It is a gathering. Over the past couple of years, we've had that disagreement. Can you gather without gathering? Can you have a church if the church doesn't meet? And I can tell you the world does not want people to go to church. The world and the king, the, uh, the God of this universe, Satan, does not want you in church. And he will do everything he can every Sunday morning to keep you from sitting in these chairs. He will keep you home. He will take you away. You know, I was thinking about the thing in Australia. One of the things that I noticed about Sundays in Australia um, when I first went there 20 years ago is that all of the school athletic programs and every kind of public meeting was held on Sunday. And I thought, man, where I grew up, you wouldn't dare have something like that on a Sunday because people want to go to church. Guess what? In a post-Christian world, they schedule everything on a Sunday so you can't go to church. The devil will keep you out of church in any way he can. But the church is a gathering and the command of Scripture is not to neglect meeting together. That means come through the door and sit in the chair and sing together, pray together, and listen to the Word of God 
together and make decisions together. It is a gathering. It's not only gathering, it is a fellowship. John, I've quoted John twice already again in chapter 1, verse 3 of 1 John. That's we, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you also, you too, may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I've already talked about the fact that Jesus is in the room and when we come, we come to gather with Him and have fellowship with Him. The church is about connection. You know, your companions, the people you connect with, have more power over you than you recognize. Throughout the Scripture, there is a principle that is said best in 1 Corinthians 15.32. Evil companions corrupt good morals. Evil companions corrupt good morals. Who are you connected to? What connections do you have with friends, with family, with a fellowship? Make a connection. Because you need those who walk with the wise will become wise. That's from Proverbs. And church is about connections. That's why Todd said, fill out a connect card. You need connections. You need... We need each other. Do you hear me? We need each other. The church is about connections. Connect to the gathering. Connect to a small group. Do you know, the reason we push our study groups is because someone who is connected to a study group, uh, what was the statistic, Todd, Aaron, like 60% more likely to remain faithful to God and to the church if you're connected to a study group. That's important. Connect. Church is about connection, but it's also about protection. Protection. You know, I, I didn't put the Scripture up here. Let me just sort of throw it out and you think about this. In 1 Corinthians, they talk about a sin in the church, and it was a terrible one. And they said to put this person who's guilty of this out of the fellowship hall that and turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Whoa! We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about whipping you so that you get back where you belong, back in the church. And there is protection from the evil ones. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, for the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. I need to, can I tell you something else about Africa I learned? I, I learned in Africa that when you see Jonathan, a herd of Cape Buffalo, and there's one off by themselves, you better stay away. That Cape Buffalo. There's two things that may have happened. Kim, either he has been chased away from the herd because nobody can get along with him, or he's so angry with the rest of the herd, he's wandered off by himself. Either way, there are two things that can happen to him. The fact that he could get along with no one else, got mad and left, means that he's dangerous and He will hurt you. Look up here and listen to me. Don't ever take advice from somebody who got mad at the church and left. 
they're out of fellowship with God and they will give you bad advice. Don't ever listen to somebody who got mad and left the church. They're out of fellowship with God and they will give you bad advice. The other thing I said, there's protection from the evil one in being a part of a church. That animal that wanders off away from the rest of the herd, there's safety in numbers. And somebody, Paige, that's wandered off from the rest of the herd, they're going to be lunch. They're going to be lunch. Because there is safety with the fellowship. Safety. Loners become lunch. You need and I need the church. It's also a place of motivation. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivation. Every time I preach, I hope to motivate someone to do what God wants them to do. I believe in motivational preaching. But the agent of motivation is to be the Holy Spirit of God. It is my prayer that when you come to these services, whether I'm preaching, Todd's preaching, Aaron's preaching, whoever's preaching, that the Spirit of God will move and you will be motivated by the Spirit of God. And I pray the Spirit moves even today. It's also a place of encouragement. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see that final day approaching. It is a place of encouragement. And it is a place of good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. It's really very simple. It really is. Jesus loves the church. The church loves Jesus. And church members love one another. If you didn't get the point, here's the conclusion. Church is important. It's important to our society. As our society moves further and further into a post-Christian era, Making the church unimportant will be the death of America as we know it. Our culture will collapse. Our morals will go dark. The light of freedom will go out. And our nation will fail if the church is not important. Guess what? In your life, if the church is not important in your life, the same thing will happen to you. I talk about covenant membership in the church. Covenant membership, it's not a contract, it's a covenant. That means you have joined this church and you've made a covenant with God and with the church to be an active, serving member of this church. And again, like last week, I'm going to ask you today to make... The, the, the invitation is going to go with the message. It's going to fit the message. My challenge to you is, will you renew the covenant? 
with the church? Will you make this church, the church of your membership, important in your life? You ought to. Listen, Jesus loves the church. And this church loves Jesus. And we love one another. If you're not a part of this group, you ought to be. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I pray that You would move in the service right now. Glorify Your name. Move in hearts. Motivate us to make commitments. Lord, I pray that members of Faith Baptist Church, Faith in Alar, will renew their commitment even now as I pray. And Father, I pray for those who are not members and ought to be. Lord, if they're not saved, I pray that they will come and let me show them, let Todd show them how to be saved. If, if they've never been baptized, I pray that they will come to us in the lobby. If, if they're not a member, I pray that they will come to us and say, I want to be a member of this church. What do I do? Lord, I pray that those commitments will be made right now. Move in hearts. Change lives. In Jesus' name, amen.